power on. The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed. Ready for your weekly tech fix? Want to know how technology sets us free? Well, get ready because here it comes. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, entrepreneur and technophile Brian Sovereign. He's got a huge brain. And now, here's Brian. Here I am, here I am, once again, Brian Sovereign here with another exciting episode of Sovereign Tech. We really do have a very, very exciting episode coming up. Um, We're going to cover a lot of basics, uh, but go into some some stuff that not only sets you free, because this is Sovereign Tech, which is the show about technology and how it sets you free, but also that is free. In fact, most of the time I try to find the the things I, I try to find and use if it's good enough I try to use three things as much as possible um, that's one of the beauties of computers that that has really opened everything up to the world with things like free operating systems with Linux um, and that has allowed uh, a lot of developing countries to really get high tech very fast because these these services come at no cost to them uh, which is amazing it's, it's really amazing uh, one of those developing technologies is actually part of our story of the week, and that's going to be M-Pesa. What is M-Pesa? I know you're asking. Okay. Now, in America, we have services that are, we have PayPal, which is like an online, um, you know, actually that's internationalist, not just in America, but we have PayPal, which is an online um, you know, payment service that makes it all things very simple, whether dealing with PayPal is simple or not, it's a whole other story, but it's a pretty basic way to just get money back and forth going, you know, going everywhere. And there's percentages that get taken out of that. Um, there's other services like Douala that, uh, is also worldwide that has gone down, that has become popular because of the lack of, uh, payment that, PayPal, you know, the, the cut that PayPal usually takes to Walla has significantly decreased that. So that's become very popular and their stated purpose is to eliminate. Okay. Which that's up to you if that's a good or a bad thing. And then, uh, Google wallet has recently come out. There's also like Amazon wallet. A lot, a lot of companies are coming up with their own wallet services, but probably Google wallet would be the most popular, which uses what's called NFC or near field communication to be able to talk to like the, the little device, the little, what, what you're used to being the credit card or debit card pin pad device at say your local Walmart that you could just kind of tap your phone up to it. And the near field communication chip will communicate with the near field communication chip in the little device. And then you instantly pay for everything. Now that Google wallet hasn't been implemented in a lot of places, kind of like square. There's also square, which is very, very popular, uh, because it allows you to hook up like a credit card reader to a, to a phone, to a smartphone, and then you can take payments. I mean, that that's amazing that you can do that. Um, but Google wallet is really like the first time to try to get completely away from 
maybe from like a lot of the banking and, uh, you know, it's kind of like a branchless banking idea and it's just a payment system. However you get the money into it, you can use it. And they're trying to get away from have you having to carry around a wallet itself. And so you're going to have Google wallet and then you can just use it to buy stuff online too. You know, it works everywhere. It's one payment system. I think it's a great idea. I understand the reservations to, uh, the lack of hard currency. Uh, a lot of people have, have a real problem with that. And, and that's totally understandable. You know, I mean, w- when you think about things like having gold, I think having gold's a great idea. That's the hardest currency you can get. Um, but I think in this digital age, and the digital age is that which is really setting us free and really giving us our best chances at having a voluntary society. Um, these are the kind of things that I think, you know, can be embraced and used to their logical conclusion. Um, and, you know, and it's great how, how all of this, how simple a lot of it does work and how cross-platform a lot of it does work. It doesn't matter what you're using. Um, so, but here's an example Here's something it's been around for, for quite some time. Uh, let's see around 2007. And now all the things I just listed off, except for PayPal have only come into, into play in like the past year. Okay. PayPal has been around for a while, but that doesn't do exactly what we're talking about. PayPal is just sort of an online like purchasing thing. Uh, you can get a PayPal card that has access to your PayPal account and then you can buy things in a store, but you're still using a credit card. But, the other technologies, Google wallet, um, and even Douala, which is, that's a slightly different animal too. Uh, these things are relatively new, like I say, within the past year. Uh, but this, what I'm about to tell you is M-Pesa, which I, I said earlier is from 2007. Now you haven't heard of it because it's not used in America. Okay. Internationally though, in particular in countries in Africa and India and Afghanistan, this is a big deal. And what this is now, now, I mean, the whole world doesn't have, isn't using smartphones yet. Okay. But the cell phone really has, especially in the past five years, be, you know, it, it's, it's, everybody's using them now. Okay. Even in Afghanistan, uh, which most people think is some like backwater place. And it, it's, it's really not, it, it, it's getting up there in the techno, in the technological world again, because of so many free services and things like that. Some of which we'll be talking about more later. And this M-Pesa, you can use a dumb phone, what I call dumb phones, which means it's just, it's not a smartphone. doesn't mean it's actually dumb. A lot of dumb phones are great. Um, I recently used one and while it couldn't do everything that I liked it to do, you know, it did what it did very well. And in fact, if this payment system, if M-Pesa was in place, I might've held on to my dumb phone and kept using it. Okay. And so th- what it does is it, it cr- it's a payment system. It was originally designed to work for like microloans, uh, to be able to easily pay them, you know, from anywhere or whichever, but it is a branchless banking service, similar to what we talked about, like with Google wallet and et cetera. And you, you get the money, you know, you you can go to a store and it's kind of like when you, when you get a, a, like an iTunes gift card or something like that, you purchase that and then it puts the money onto the phone. That's just one of the ways that it gets done. Okay. But you can do everything with this. It'll deposit and withdraw money. It transfers money. Uh, you can pay bills with it. You can get airtime for your phone, which is pretty popular. Unlimited plans haven't really caught on around the world yet. Um, that's kind of a rare thing. 
Um, and you can trans you can transfer money, you know, within the service and even to some bank accounts. So on a dumb phone, again, you know, that I mean, in, in a lot of these other countries, you know, the phones, they're using like the phones that still have that, that, that puke green screen. Okay. So you wouldn't expect this. It's like, well, how do you do that? But it works so well and it is so popular and it is huge. It is, it is more popular than PayPal around the world. Uh, so many people are taking on M-Pesa and people can just buy stuff as they go along. They can go into stores and, and I mean, and use it, uh, all these, it does these instantaneous transfers. They don't have to have a wallet. You do not need a wallet in these other countries. Again, that's up to you. If you think that's a good or a bad thing, I think it's amazing. And in fact, an interesting note in a lot of these countries that people would call developing countries, even though Kenya really is, uh, which is probably the word, this is the most popular is very, very far from being some kind of third world country. They've really moved up the ranks. It's a really, in a lot of ways, it's a very high class, high class place. And there, you know, like I say, it's everywhere, but it, but in Kenya, um, I mean, like kids have, have cell phones before it's like one of their first possessions they ever get because it's so important to the economy there. Okay. And that, and that is amazing that, that, that all that gets done. Um, I mean, who would have ever thought, you know, let's, let's, let's think back to, when the first cell phones came out, we'll say the eighties, late eighties, or that's when car phones, um, or the early nineties. So let's say 20 years, just, just for, just for a ballpark, you know, 20 years ago, you could never have imagined that you, I, I really, I don't think so. I don't know of any like science fiction stories, which is where I often look to find out what's coming next. And I think that's a great tip for a lot of people. Um, I don't, I don't remember anywhere that like they thought, well, we're going to do banking with this. We're going to do, we're going to handle money with our phones. No one, I don't think anyone ever came up, you know, with that idea, but here it is an entire branchless 24 seven banking system that is being completely done through a dumb phone. Not even, not even a smartphone that can run all, you know, your fancy apps and everything, all which is great, but not even through that. And it works and it's rock solid. There's no complaints of, uh, oh man, I, you know, I don't have signal. Um, so I, I, you know, I can't do the transfer and things like that because amazingly, because it is using the older technology of, you know, the, like the dumb phone technology, that's what allows it to subsist and exist as well. Um, now that's not an argument to say that, yeah, we should stick with dumb phones because it's proven or something like that. Uh, I, I don't agree there. But there is something to be said that technology doesn't, technology doesn't age. How can I put this? Technology, like with everything else, you know, whatever's, whatever's newest, you know, uh, kind of ages the best if you take my meaning, but with technology, whatever's oldest usually ages the best, whatever's still in use, the longest seems to just keep getting used. Okay. And this is, this is kind of opposite from, from say, you know, other, other sources, um, off the top of my head, I want to use like the music idea that, that, you know, old music doesn't hold up, you know, to, to a lot of people it does for me, but for a lot of people like new music, you know, it, it, it comes and it goes, 
and then new music comes and it goes. But with technology, very, very different story. With technology, when something is held on to for just so long, it doesn't go away. And so it's kind of like a fine wine. And in these countries, they're making full use of all this technology and they're getting it for, here's the other thing too, in, in a lot of these other countries, they're getting this stuff for pennies. Um, Amazon was recently doing a, Amazon.com was recently doing, uh, like a, a kind of a fun drive, not, not a fun drive. That would be unfair to say, but where they were sending like all their old Kindles to, uh, to developing countries. Uh, you know, and, and to Africa and, and to the Middle East. And they were sending them there and, you know, loading them up with free books and everything so that these people can read. Look, nobody's going to buy six, seven years, in, in, at least in America and or say like in Japan or anywhere. No one's going to buy six, seven year old Kindles. I mean, they might, but, you know, the cost is compared like a brand new, uh, like the not the latest, but the second to latest model. Of the Kindle runs for like sixty nine bucks now. And so, so take a Kindle that's like six, seven years old or even just a little bit newer and it ends up only costing like 39. I mean, how much would that cost you in comparison to 69 bucks? Not much. And so there is no, there's not a very good like resale development cost for, for Amazon, you know, to offer those to you. So, you know, I imagine they get some kind of write off, you know, maybe a tax write off of some kind, or they just get good press, which can mean a lot more than money. Because Amazon, especially Amazon, Amazon runs on a very different business model than most companies. They run real, real close to the, to the wire as far as being in the black and the red. And so they get this really great press by, Hey, we're giving books. We're educating the whole world. Now, a lot of the, now Qualcomm and all these companies that make a lot of the, the cell phone, uh, you know, infrastructure, they're doing, they're kind of doing the same thing. They're going out there and they're saying, we're servicing the entire world we're creating. They've, I mean, let's face this M Pesa, this branchless banking, totally using your cell phone, being able to pay for anything, anywhere, do transfers and all this stuff from the most basic of electronic of devices today is so far ahead of anything in the first world that I can think of Google wallets getting up there. But as I mean, Google Wallet had to come up with a whole other technology to do this, like near field communication. They are ahead of the game in the rest of the world. So, so you know, when I say developing, I, I really use that word very lightly because what does that even, you know, what does that even mean? I think a lot of people take that word to mean that they're backwater, that they're behind, that they're in the stone age. No way. They're ahead of the game. It's awesome. Kudos to M-Pesa. What a great idea. Uh, feel free to look it up online, look more into it, and you start traveling the world, make use. We'll be back with more Sovereign Tech. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with me, Brian Sovereign. The man who always wears triple black. Sovereign Tech is a show about science and technology and how it can set you free. Remember, Sovereign Tech only endorses businesses and products that we genuinely believe in and support ourselves. If you have a product or website that you would like to have reviewed, you can email the show at SovereignTech at Hush.ai. Please keep in mind that the reviews on Sovereign Tech pull no punches. Thanks for listening. Tech Roulette. 
Want to play? Yeah, it's time for Tech Roulette, uh, where we go over stories that are either submitted, and I kind of play eeny, miny, mo with them. Um, this is, of course, me, Brian Sovereign, with you. Always a pleasure. And this week, we've got an, an editorial from Gizmodo, and it's called Reminder companies aren't your friends and it's by brian barrett this is actually out of australia if i'm not mistaken all of which is fine because one thing that we learn about technology when it sets us free is that it eliminates this ridiculous idea of borders of nationality okay because those don't exist they 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 just don't and so we'll go through the story i think it's a great piece uh, a short piece but it but it raises an interesting point so here we go twitter facebook instagram all of them wonderful ways to bring together people you know, care about, or just want to stalk. Creepers. I added that in. But it's easy to confuse connecting friends with friendship. Don't. All social media companies want is to make money off of you, and they'll never stop trying to. When Instagram changed its terms of services last week, it brought a shitstorm down on itself that clearly took it by surprise. Rightly so. The response from users wasn't just annoyance, it was a deep sense of betrayal. How dare Instagram do this, was the refrain. I thought we had something. Today, there's even a class action lawsuit. Now, what that part of the art, of, of the editorial is talking about is recently Instagram changed its terms of service to where it said that it could... Now, Instagram is a, uh, a f- kind of a photo social media service where... You know, you take pictures and you can do you can put them through these fancy filters that give them like an aged look or a sepia or something along those lines. And, you know, people can look at like your picture. You know, it, it's like Facebook with with more pictures and no words. OK, that's the idea. In fact, Facebook owns Instagram now. Um, but what they said was, is that they came out with the new terms of services said, well, your pictures. Yeah, we we can sell those. And a lot of people thought that they would be used for to sell to like advertisers and people freaked out and like the article said, I mean, rightfully so they, they, it's like, wait a minute, you know, I agree. This is my stuff. What are you doing going off and selling it? Okay. Uh, so, so there, there was, you know, I can understand where people were coming from with being, you know, with having a problem with that. I think a lot of people need to need to figure out that, you know, pretty much anything they put online, could probably be up for grabs one way or another somewhere. Uh, like Google, Google's actually pretty good about, about your, you know, your, I don't believe in intellectual property rights, but for the sake of the point, the Google's pretty good about your intellectual property and your rights to them. Um, but equally the, 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 the caveat with Google is that say someone does infringe on your copyright or infringe on your intellectual property, they, you can't do anything about it. You know, they'll defend the fact that it's yours, but you're not going to be able to file any suit against anybody about it. So there's the caveat to that. So that's why I say, you know, if you're going to put any of this stuff like really online, just anticipate the worst. Uh, Okay, back to the editorial. Never mind that most Instagram users aren't well versed enough in legalese to fully comprehend exactly why they were mad or that the vast majority of them had agreed long ago to comparable terms of service when they signed up for Facebook. Uh Uh-huh. See? Never mind. Also, that Instagram is a free service with no means of sustaining itself other than through advertising, or that almost all of its features are easily replaceable should you choose to leave. 
are all great points. It's not just Instagram, obviously. Every time Facebook, its new corporate papa, referring to that, what I said earlier, that Facebook bought Instagram, tweaks its privacy rules, its users go into a frenzy. This is commonplace, too, that whenever Facebook makes, like, these wild changes, suddenly everybody freaks out because it changed what they did. And I don't think it's so much privacy, uh, because I don't think most people even really care, or at least they don't know that they care, or, uh, you know, they're just not aware, like this editorial is saying. But I think when, when Facebook changes things, it, it changes the way it's used and people get kind of mad. Uh, though there was that one time where Facebook like posted your contacts list to your phone somehow. And it's just a mess. Anyway, back with the editorial, Facebook would be unable to attract advertisers without advertisers. Facebook has no revenue without revenue. There is no Facebook. And despite maybe not engendering the emotional connections that Facebook and Instagram do, Twitter managed to gin up rancor this year as well. Every time it tries to force people to use, well, Twitter. It's cast as an agent of evil. But restricting your API and funneling people into your service, the service you built, isn't remotely wrong or bad. It's acting with self-interest, sure. But that's what companies do. Otherwise, they would be charities. That is a great, great point. Okay, I mean, this is this is solid, really kind of solid capitalist uh, thinking here. And you d- did you make these things popular? Yes, you did. You made Twitter popular because you used it. All of you, everybody, the millions of people that use these services make them popular. Okay, but how do they make money off the fact? They make it off of advertisers, and that's in the initial plan anyway. They like the like the editorial said, if they didn't do it for money, it'd be a charity. And these people aren't charities. These aren't 501c3, uh, you know, companies. Okay, so this is why they're doing it. And uh, to, to, to better point with the Twitter thing, they recently, like, ripped out their API, which is, like, the code that allows other programs to access it, from all their third-party developers. Like, a lot of people, like Uber Social, that had a great Twitter app that could connect, you know, to Twitter, but you could use their app, and it would have a bunch of extra features in it. They pretty much put, it, put the kibosh on all that. They said, no more. You're going to have to use Twitter's app and you're going to have to go to Twitter's site to, you know, to do anything with Twitter. Um, again, not inherently wrong. It's, it's self-interest. Uh, back to the editorial. The root of the problem is that what social media companies need more than anything is users. Nothing draws a crowd like a crowd, uh, i.e. Google+. So when you first join, it's a wide open wonderland of zero consequence. The first hit, as they say, is free. But after a while, money needs to be made, and selling advertising to you, even turning you into advertising, is the most effective way to make it. All true. This doesn't make companies bad or evil. It makes them profitable. It also doesn't mean that Twitter or Facebook or Instagram are out to screw you. If they were, they'd lose too many users. But they'll continue to push the envelope until they hit that perfect equilibrium between making money and making you happy. They'll get away with as much as they can, as they should. We've been through this before, and recently humanity came to the slow and painful realization just last year that not everything on the Internet is free. Magazines and newspapers erected paywalls. Streaming releases hit time delays. There was outrage. It subsided. The end. The same thing will happen here. It might take longer because we're more attached to our photo filters than we were ever to YouTube. But eventually we'll get it, just in time to be righteously angry about the Next big internet ado. A great editorial, uh, Brian Barnett, and it's from Gizmodo. And you know, it's true. I mean, 
I don't want to say that people just look for something to get angry about because some of these things, you know, are, are disconcerting, but then you're getting angry over something that no one a is forcing you to use and B is completely free. So what did you expect? And that's the point of this editorial is what were you expecting when suddenly these people, you know, and, and look, I don't even read the terms of service for most things. Sometimes I do, but like I, I read, I read the terms of service on a NASA app that I downloaded the other day and it said pretty much, well, you know, if the government changes the rules, the rules are changed for you. So, you know, if NASA could like, you know, through the, the agreeing to use an NASA app, well, uh, I think some people would potentially think that the government could look into your phone or something like that. And the terms of service honestly allowed for that. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't think so. Uh, but the terms of service allow for it. Now, you, so I, I usually don't even read the terms of service for these things, but you know, and you can't be expected to understand half the legalese that's in the, in those things, which also this editorial mentions. So, but the bottom line is again, what did you expect? These things are free. The bandwidth costs money. The amount, the ability to store all of these pictures of yours and all this information costs money. They got to make money. And this is how they're doing it. If you don't like it, stop using them. And I support you for that. Again, we'll be back with more Sovereign Tech. in the gang the podcast for grumpy young men brings you issues we are talking about raping babies i love nazis beast jesus news new york shuts down vibrator giveaway here's a fun story out of uh spain el correo no wait that's a newspaper personal stories i kicked a windshield once because i was angry i just got annoyed and i wanted to die i know all the words to get in jiggy with it i have a horribly tiny penis responsible journalism i'm drinking malt liquor when we do the show we're generally drunk pukeinthegang.com and cake. Wow. It's a website of the week. Website of the week. We are here. And this is, I, you know, I really like, I hope everybody likes the, uh, you know, the structured nature of the show. I think it keeps things fresh, keep things, keeps things moving. Um, and website of the week is where we're going to talk about a website that I think is really, really helpful, be it in setting you free or in saving you a ton of money. In this case, this one's going to save you a ton of money. Um, a really popular thing now is the whole cloud. It's kind of an internet buzzword. It's been an internet buzzword for about two years, but with the cloud, one of the big deals is, you know, now with MP3s and everything, most people have a pretty massive music collection in the order of 9,000 songs or more might be the average. I'm not sure what the exact average is. And you have your services, you buy them through iTunes and iTunes offers cloud services to where you can have such and so much music up or, or, you know, whatever data you want. And they generally charge a fee around 20 bucks for that. Uh, Amazon, which is probably the second largest MP3 store at the moment or music store at the moment, um, also allows for that. You have to pay like 25 bucks a year, I think. Um, and I'm sorry, iTunes, if I said a month, I meant a year as well, but it's about 25 a year and you can get, you know, 250,000 songs, you know, accessible on the cloud, meaning that you can, as long as you have the app, the application either on your computer or, or, you know, as long as you have web access, or if you have it on your phone, you can play all this music that you uploaded to those services. 
Okay. But again, there's a cost involved, not to say it's not worth it. I mean, especially Amazon's deal is particularly, you know, impressive 250,000 songs. Um, I actually have just under that as far as MP3s go. And it took me years, like literally six, seven years to, to acquire all of that. And it wasn't just me. It was with a buddy as well. Um, but here now, this is pretty good though. Google play. Okay. Now Google play is an overall thing. It's their entire software hub and music and movies hub, you know, to where you can, with your Android device or whichever you, you know, you can purchase all these, all these forms of entertainment, um, or, you know, productivity as well as, as far as apps go. And, but what they offer now is 20,000. Now there's 20,000 songs. Like I said, I figured the average person has about 9,000 or more, but 20,000 songs for free to upload and you get a free app, uh, you know, on, on your phone, there are third party apps for iPhones. Obviously they want to concentrate on Android because it's Google. Um, but I will, I will link to a couple of the, uh, third party apps for this for iPhone, but you can upload all your music and you know, 20, 000, up to 20,000 songs, totally free. You play them as much as you want forever however you want. And if you start buying music through Google play, not just like uploading your own already, you know, collected stuff and it will sync with your iTunes library. It's very important. It will automatically sync with your iTunes library. If you want it to, um, you, if you buy music, that doesn't count against the 20,000. Now they have yet to, in, in, as I've seen, they've yet to offer where you could like purchase some more space. Um, which I would be interested in doing in the future. Uh, even though with 20, I found that like really narrowing it down to the amount of music that I want to have like collected because it's rare. And because of what I actually listen to 20,000 is well within the means of what I'd actually use and listen to. I mean, just easily. Uh, but that's up to you. You know, I mean, some people are librarians and I think that's great to where they do want these massive 250,000 song collections. Uh, where Amazon would be a little more impressive. But they also have music matching, which means that they'll put the best copy up there if they recognize the song. So check out Google Play. And this is Brian Sovereign, and I'll be right back. In the third age of mankind, an age plagued by an evil empire that seeks to destroy humanity. It is our last, best hope for peace. It is Babylon 5. All fighter squadrons launch. Return fire. Freedom! Watch Babylon 5. You can watch Babylon 5 and experience the greatest show in television history. See the entire series completely free by going to the wb.com slash shows slash Babylon 5. Software of the Week. It is time for Software of the Week. Uh, this is one, the Software of the Week this week is, I think, at least a few years ago, it was a really, really big leap forward for um, the average security. Uh, when I mean the average security, I'm talking about like for like the Nortons and the... Uh, uh, you know, the trend micros and the Kapersky antivirus and all that stuff. So this, this week's uh, software is an antivirus. Now, a lot of this, this is for windows PCs only. Okay. Um, Linux and Mac, one could make the argument that you don't have to worry so much about viruses and malware. 
Um, they still exist, but that's getting into pretty advanced stuff when, when you, when you deal with those operating systems. But windows is notorious for getting viruses and malware. It's the biggest boy on the block. So it gets attacked the most, at least that's the, the prevailing, uh, thinking on that. Um, and what this, the software of the week is Microsoft security essentials. This is made by Microsoft. It's a totally free again. Hey, saving you money. That's a way to get free. Always a way to get free. One of my major reasons for wanting to be free is to save a lot of money. Um, but this is completely free. Microsoft security essentials works for, uh, XP as well as windows seven, windows eight kind of already has a built in. Um, but I don't know a whole lot of people yet that have adopted windows eight and I will be doing a review of that in the future, but I wanted to make sure I give it plenty of time to really work itself out. New operating systems, they take time. I mean, in the Linux world, it's a completely different story. You know, things get adopted very quickly, but the average Linux user is also pretty advanced to where, you know, they're, they're implementing this stuff on their own anyway. Um, so, but for windows, this is a great, great service. It's really lightweight. And when I say it's lightweight, it doesn't take much. Uh, processing power doesn't take a lot of Ram. It doesn't take a lot of your computer's resources, which is awesome because a, a lot of people remember a few years ago, and it's still kind of true to where like Norton, uh, Norton antivirus or Norton 360, they, it was terrible. It would bog down your machine endlessly. Um, it, it was just a real, real mess. And you know, this one, it just runs and it does its thing. Uh, you know, and, and, and it makes everything, you know, it, it checks everything. As soon as you plug stuff in, it scans it. Um, it does everything you really want an antivirus to do. It's made by Microsoft. So it's made by the people that know the source code of your operating system. That's the nuts and bolts of your operating system as well as anybody can. And it consistently gets updated through windows update. Um, I mean, it's just a rock, rock solid antivirus and it's totally free. Uh, I guess for windows eight there, there is a, um, it, it is built in. So you don't have the choice as to where with, with windows seven or Vista, et cetera, you will have to go and download it. It just doesn't come, you know, naturally, but I totally recommend this is the, this is the one I use, uh, all the time. I've been using it for years, pretty much since it came out. I uh, used to have a different name, but that doesn't matter, but I've been using it ever since it came out and, and it's been exclusively the one I've used and it, I've, I've been pretty well virus free, or at least I've never had a virus to where, uh, you know, it became so problematic on a computer, um, that, you know, that I like had to reformat it or something. So Windows Microsoft security essentials has done a great, great job, uh, of protecting me. And since it's totally free at no cost to you, it can protect you. And, you know, again, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, so go check it out. I'll link to, uh, to the webpage for it in the show notes. And uh, we'll be right back with more Sovereign Tech. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network. A collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. Uh, 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 just a minute, Mom. 
Game Talk. There it is, Bit Shifter, the man in chiptunes um, with Hexadecimal Genome. I am going to, I actually had a listener kindly request that he, he, he was interested in more of the music, and so I'll probably link to that song uh, in the show notes to where you can listen to it on YouTube. Um, of course, you know, you can look up Bit Shifter online and, and you can grab... Uh, you know, he has quite a bit more music than, than just like the EP or just that one song, of course. But that one song in particular, I, I really, really enjoy. Really talented guy. Uh, but it's time for Game Talk. As I've said before, probably my favorite part of the show because who doesn't love to play a good game? I do. I love playing a good game. And this week on Game Talk, we have a Mario, that Mario, Nintendo, a Mario triple header. Okay. And all now, how does, how do games set me free? Uh, I gave a little bit of an explanation before and I'll, I'll keep giving explanations as to how that goes. But in this case, it's free because these are free. They're saving you money. Okay. And they're a lot of fun to boot and they prove a, a very important point to me, a very important anarchist point that if you don't have these intellectual property rights and patents, the things that people can do with something, I mean, it's amazing what they can do with, okay, let's, let's just go right to the examples. Okay. The first one is a, a game developed. It's a flash game developed by exploding rabbit flash games, meaning you play it generally online though. If you look into things, you can figure out how to play it, you know, where you can download it to your computer if you want to play it offline. And this is super Mario brothers crossover, particularly version 2.1 that just came out last week. And what this is, is the original super Mario brothers. And, you know, and just imagine all that that game entails. Okay. You know, everybody, I think, I mean, most people in the world, even really young kids have at some point played the original Mario or they know the music or something and all that's here. Uh, but what it adds to it is other characters that you can play and it's great. And it's really, really cool. Not, you don't just like, it's not just like skinning over Mario, meaning that like they, they just like painted over Mario and put Link in his place. You actually use the weapons and the abilities from these, that these other characters have, uh, you know, from their own games and you input them into Mario. Like you, you can shoot Goombas with a gun or hack them with a sword or drop a bomb like Samus Aran. Uh, the characters available, of course, there's the original Mario. There's Luigi from Mario Brothers 2, who, if you remember, he could like jump really, really high. Uh, there's Link uh, from, from The Legend of Zelda, Samus Aran from the Metroid games, Simon Belmont from the Castlevania, uh, Mega Man is here and that's a ton of fun. You can even like charges, you can charge his X buster and everything or his buster. It wasn't the X buster yet. Um, there's bass from, or base. He's probably more accurately called base in Japan. Um, who's from the later mega man games. Uh, there's uh, bill from, from the Contra games. Uh, also Ryu from Ninja Gaiden, not Ryu from street fighter, but Ryu from Ninja Gaiden. And there's Sophia three from master blaster, uh, for blaster master that, you got to see to believe and you play all these characters and they even like they, they can skin over the levels to where they make it look like uh, like Super Mario Brothers All-Stars where they updated the graphics to 16 bit. Um, there's just tons of fun things that you can do with this game. And believe me, you haven't played Mario Brothers, the original Mario Brothers until you've played Super Mario Brothers crossover. It's insane. Uh, lots and lots of fun. Um, and the next one we've got is this is also a new release from last week, which is new Super Mario Forever 2012. And th this is just, you know, it's a classic styled Mario game, totally free again. And we'll link to all these in the show notes so that you can get to them quick. Um, 
And this one you can actually download and install. It's not a flash game like, like Super Mario Brothers crossover. And it's got updated graphics, just gorgeous graphics. It, it is a little tasking on some machines. So if it runs a little slow, you know, you, I mean, you'll need a faster computer to play it properly, but, uh, but it's not that bad, but I mean, but that's how intense some of the graphics on this can be. And it has all the clay. I mean, this is a totally new game. This isn't some kind of rehash or revamp. This is just a straight up new Mario game and it plays great. It plays as good as, you know, new super Mario brothers, Wii or whatever, you know, whatever one version you, you like that's modern. It plays just as good, looks just as good. It is exceptionally impressive and it's totally free. Doesn't cost you a dime as to where if you go and buy a new Mario brothers game in the store, you're going to hash out 50 bucks. Now, if you love Mario and you want to do that, by all means, go buy the new game. I've done it myself, okay? But here it is, totally free, some free entertainment. You can't beat it. Um, and there, this one has, uh, Mario Forever has a you know, whole lot of, a load of new powers. And that's what's cool is that, you know, Shigeru Miyamoto in Japan didn't have to come up with this stuff. Just some fan who loves Mario is like, you know, this power would be really cool. Uh, like Boomer Man, Vegetable Superpower. I mean, just like these really wild stuff. You have to see it to believe it. And, you know, again, it's just a fan who said, yeah, I like this and, and let's try this out. And it ended up working out really, really well. Um, and, and it's just a, a solid game. Now, the third one, again, this is triple header. Here we go. One more Super Mario Brothers. This is Super Mario Brothers X. Okay. Uh, often touted as the greatest fan game, game tribute to Super Mario Brothers of all time. Um, but it, what, what Super Mario Brothers X does is it combines all the elements of pretty much every game up to like Yoshi's Island. So Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, 3, Super Mario World, Super Mario World 2. It combines all those elements and just turns it into one like super game. And the graphics are, you know, really, really cool. They're, they're, they're very nostalgic, yet they still feel pretty modern. Uh, this one runs smooth on just about anything you play it on. Um, most of these, except for super Mario brothers crossover, most of these, you're going to have to play on windows, uh, or you can use uh, wine, which is the windows emulator to play them in uh, Linux or on Mac. Uh, but yeah, the bulk, you know, that, that's the thing with, with windows is it's still, I think the reason it's still heavily adopted by the average consumer is it is still the gaming system, um, of the world. And, you know, and, and that brings me to a point, uh, that I, that I mention often on this show, but this, when you have, you know, an open platform as in like Xboxes and playstations, they're proprietary, even Nintendo systems are proprietary to where, you know, they want absolute control over what they're, what they have and what they make. And that's, and that's okay. They're welcome to that. Uh, even in an anarchist society, they'd be welcome to that. But with, with PC, you can make these incredible things totally free. They're just labors of love and everybody can enjoy it. And the ideas that come out of this, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, in Japan at Nintendo headquarters, if Shigeru doesn't, Shigeru Miyamoto, the creator, kind of the, the you know, the godfather of video games in general, but the creator of Mario and so many other classic, uh, classic games, I wouldn't be surprised if he looked at these things and, and took notes. This, this stuff is that good. And, you know, we'll see what happens in the future, but don't be shocked if you play these and if you play, you know, the big, the big console versions of, you know, of Mario games that, that you go out and buy, uh, if suddenly you see, yeah, you know what? I remember doing that a couple years ago in this fan made free PC game. So it's cool, you know, and it's lots of fun. And who doesn't, I mean, who doesn't love Mario? 
really. I, I know people that never touch video games, they know who Mario is, and they wouldn't mind picking up a controller and playing a little Mario now and then. Um, yeah, and in fact, the, the last one, again, we have Super Mario Bros. crossover, uh, Super Mario Forever 2012, and there's Super Mario Bros. X, which also allows for co-op play. Um, and the co-op play, I think that may have even existed before Super Mario Bros. Wii came out. I could be wrong about that. But there's a case where, hey, you know, let's let's add this stuff in, you know, where, where I could see Nintendo looking at these things and just getting a bunch of great ideas. Uh, so, you know, check it out. And, and hey, again, they're free. You're not going to get in trouble for playing these. These aren't like actual copies of things to where if anybody's going to get in trouble, you know, legal trouble uh, for having these games, it's going to be the people that provided them and they're just going to get told to take it down. But you, you know, it, there really is no danger in you downloading these and, and playing these. Uh, and, and again, they're great games and totally free. How can you beat that? It's free entertainment. You had to pay for the PC fine, but it, by and large, it is free entertainment. Uh, again, I'm Brian sovereign and we've still got a couple sections coming up. This is sovereign tech. Are you searching for a mouthwatering, all-natural, sweet and sticky treat? What if I told you it was also made by a chef who believes in freedom, just like you? You're not dreaming. This is real. Head over to mandrik.com. That's M-A-N-D-R-I-K.com. There you'll find George's famous baklava in classic and dark chocolate flavors. Mm. To those with special health needs, George's famous baklava also has a treat for you. Golden Delicious Low-Carb Gluten-Free Almond Cookies. Order with PayPal or Bitcoins. In just a few days, your sweet treats will await you right at your doorstep. One more time, that's M-A-N-D-R-I-K dot com for George's Famous Baklava. Hacker Stories It is time for Hacker Stories. This is the part of the show where we talk about some of the true heroes um, of things being free, of, of, of technological freedom in the world, and that would be hackers. Um, today, we're going to talk about one of the one of the key members of LulzSec, uh, as well as other groups. But he was a big part of the 50 Days of Lulz. Uh, which was where the the hacker group Lulzsec, uh, they did a whole bunch of stuff, but they claimed hacking, you know, accounts at Sony Pictures. Um, they claimed, uh, you know, the CIA website successfully, things like that. Uh, so these guys, you know, they they've done they they've done their business. Uh, as far as as to the reasons that they did those things, like going after the CIA, uh, I'm sure one could come up with easy answers for that. Uh, as far as like going into Sony Pictures, it was a response to the a lot of the uh, copyright things and, and the, the uh, security things that, that Sony was putting in place where actually I have a huge beef with Sony. And at some points at some, during some game talk, I'm going to talk about that. And that is probably relative to what, uh, Lulzsec was attacking them about. And here, this is Jake Davis writing for the observer. Jake Davis is one of the, the members of, or was one of the members of Lulzsec. Now he, uh, you know, he was, he got arrested and he essentially ended up with a sentence um, that he can't use the Internet anymore. This sounds like a movie. Hmm. 
anyway, <laughs> uh, so we'll go right into it. And his point is, is, you know, my life after anonymous, which is another group he was a part of. Um, and he, his, he says, I feel more fulfilled without the internet. One of key, fi- one of the key figures of the 50 days of laws is now on conditional bail and barred from going online here. He describes how he feels serene and recharged. And this article is from uh, September of 2012. The, and this, this is Jake Davis. The last time I was allowed to access the internet was several months before the police came through my door in the Shetland Isles over a year ago. During the past 12 months, I've pleaded guilty to computer misuse under the banners of internet feds, anonymous and lulsec. Those are the groups he was part of. One of my co-defendants and I have also been indicted with the same charge in the United States where we may possibly be extradited. And if found guilty, I could face several decades in an American prison. Now I am on conditional bail and have to wear an electronic tag around my ankle. I'm forbidden from accessing the internet. I'm often asked, what is life without, what is life like without the net? Uh, just, just interjecting. This is a hacker. Okay. Computer extraordinaire. And he can't use the internet. It seems strange that humans have evolved and adapted for thousands of years without this simple connectivity. And now we in modern society struggle to comprehend existence without it. In a word, life is serene. I now find myself reading newspapers as though they weren't ancient scrolls, entering real shops with real money in order to buy real products and not wishing to Photoshop a cosmic being of unspeakable horror into every possible situation, social situation. Nothing needs to be captioned or made into an elaborate joke to impress a citizenry whose every emotion is represented by a sequence of keystrokes. Things are calmer, slower, and at times, I'll admit, more dull. I do very much miss the instant companionship of online life, the innocent chat room, palaver, and the ease with which circles with similar interests can be found. Of course, there are no search terms in real life. One actually has to search. However, there is something oddly endearing about being disconnected from the digital horde. It is not so much the sudden simplicity of daily life as you can imagine. Trivial tasks have been made much more difficult. But the feeling of being able to close my eyes without being bombarded and flashing shapes or constant buzzing sounds, which had occurred frequently since my early teens and could only be attributed to perpetual computer marathons. Sleep is now tranquil and uninterrupted and books seem far more interesting. The paranoia has certainly vanished. I can only describe the sensation as the long-awaited renewal of a previously diminished attention span. For it is our attention spans that have suffered the most. Our lives are compressed into short advertisement-like bursts or tweets. The constant stream of drivel fills page after page, eating away at our creativity. If hashtags were rice grains, do you know how many starving families we could feed? Neither do I. I can't Google it. (laughs) At least he has good humor about this, huh? A miracle cure of some kind of therapeutic brilliance are, are not something I could give, but I can confidently say that a permanent lack of internet has made me a more fulfilled individual and is one of many kids glued to their screens every day. I would never before have imagined myself even thinking those words before the idea of no internet was inconceivable, but now not to sound as though it's some kind of childish and predictable revelation spawned as a result of going cold Turkey. I look back on the transcripts of my online chats produced as legal evidence in my case in great numbers and wonder what all the fuss was about. It's not my place to speculate on whether or not the hacker community should stop taking itself so seriously, but I certainly become entangled within it, became entangled within it and had forgotten how easy it is, how, how easy it was simply to close a laptop lid. I hope then that others in a similar situation may decide to take a short break from the web, perhaps for just for a week 
and see if similar effects are found, it can't hurt to try. Now, that's pretty interesting stuff. Um, you don't have to agree with it. I don't think I 100% agree with it. Um, you know, that, that could all be up to personal taste, how much involved one person is with this sort of thing. But there's there are articles, and maybe we'll get to that at some point in other sovereign texts, that say that, you know, we're losing, like, since we're getting everything in bites, uh, that we're losing our ability to, you know, to concentrate you know, because of the internet or that we're losing our attention spans because of the internet, because we don't read full books anymore. We just read like two paragraphs and that's all we need or that's all we want, you know, and it's the MTV generation. There's all this argument that, that Jake Davis seems to be, um, y- you know, playing up to that. That's so he's saying that it's accurate. Uh, as far as like things being in bites, I mean, like a newspaper, he makes the example of a newspaper. I don't see where a Google search looks very much different from a newspaper newspaper articles aren't that long either but you know one has to think about this for themselves and he's making the dare you know for maybe just a week turn off see what happens other i've I've heard other journalists do this he's being dude he's forced jake davis is forced to do this unfortunately but i've seen people do this willfully and he's making the challenge too you know to give it a shot and see what happens go ahead and give it a shot um, you know, it, it could suck for me because then you won't be listening to Sovereign Tech anymore unless I release uh, Sovereign Tech on vinyl, <laughs> which, which wouldn't that be interesting? Um, but you know, it, again, it, it's intriguing stuff. You know, you can listen to it over again. I'll link to it in the show notes, uh, you know, so you can read it over again. What he said, he lays out a lot of stuff in there. Uh, it, I mean, some of it even reads like poetry, but it is unfortunate that, that this had to come to him by force. Um, it is unfortunate that, you know, I mean, and, and I certainly hope he's talking about how he may get extradited to the U S and, you know, spend time in American prison. I certainly hope that doesn't happen. Um, you can look into the lull sex story yourself, the 50 days of lulls and, you know, make your own decision as to whether or not, um, you know, they, they should be, you know, that anybody involved with that should be doing any kind of time. I personally don't think so. Um, I think guys like these are heroes, and, you know, I can't help but feel a little tinge for someone like Jake Davis that's that good at what he does, you know, if, if all is true, you know, that, that, that he was involved, you know, in these various, um, hacking exploits, it's kind of a loss to like lose a guy that's really good at what he does and to no longer do it. Um, you know, it's kind of like you're kind of like the idea of the first best destiny. Anything else is a waste. Um, while I don't totally agree with that kind of philosophy, uh, you know, it, it does make you think that that's like, I don't know, it's like a real, a guy that's like really good at playing video games and makes money doing it. And then, you know, somehow it's like, he doesn't do it anymore and which is fine. But anyway, something to look into for yourself. Uh, we still got more coming up. This is Sovereign Tech. This is Stephanie Murphy, Sovereign Tech Producer. You may know me from this show, but did you know that I have my own podcast? It's called Pork Therapy. Pork Therapy is a bit different from other shows. We cover current events, big ideas, and even relationship issues, all through the lens of how we can get more freedom in our lives. Oh, and you'll love Sex and Science Hour. Join me on my website, porktherapy.com. That's P-O-R-C therapy.com. Now back to Sovereign Tech. 
doing? I can't believe I caught you again. You know, Jesus doesn't approve of this little habit of yours. I know, baby, I know it's wrong, but it feels so right. Well, it ain't. But I've been doing it since I was 12 years old. <sighs> it's nothing but a sinful perversion of nature, if you ask me. But baby, I don't ever want to stop looking at tech websites, new gadgets, video games, software, or any of that stuff. Well, then I'm leaving. Okay. <laughs> I, I really, I literally laugh every Pick time of the week. The music bed comes up. Um, music beds—that's you know, like the intros and the outros to each uh, each part of the show, uh, where where we go to ads. Um, which if you are interested in getting an ad put in on Sovereign Tech, you can email the show at SovereignTech at Hush.ai, or you can get in touch through the Tumblr page, SovereignTech.tumblr.com, and that's Sovereign, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N. Okay, and of course I am Brian Sovereign. And this is Pick of the Week, where I get to talk about whatever I want to talk about. I get to choose something, uh, you know, that, that just tickles my fancy, that makes my... Life, uh, life de jour of, uh, you know, something more exciting or whatever, you know, or I could talk about, you know, something that I think would help you a lot that, that may, you know, step outside of the website of the week or, or software of the week or anything like that. And this week, um, it, it, it might seem like I do a lot of music, but I think music's, music's cool. Music's good. Uh, one of the things that the internet that, well, that technology in general has really made, uh, happen in the world and has really, uh, y- you know, al- allowed for, for real growth and creativity is in the music field. Um, and I want to talk about an artist who without the internet, while she has all the talent in the world, uh, you know, and she's, you know, beautiful, talented, smart, the whole thing. Um, if the internet wasn't around if things like YouTube or, you know, t- take your pick of the social media venue wasn't around, um, she, it might've taken her a little while longer to, to become a, a, such a big deal as she's become. And I'm, and talking about Lindsay Sterling, um, she is a violinist. Uh, she's also a dancer. She writes her own music. Uh, I mean, she, she, she does it all. She, 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 she pretty much handles the whole thing. Um, she has amazing music videos. And in fact, the first, I think one of the things that really made her a big deal was a music video that she did where she took, she does a lot of video game music, which obviously you could see why I would find that interesting. Um, but she did a music video where she was Zelda. She, or she, I mean, she was Link from the legend of Zelda and she played, you know, the, the Zelda theme and everything, uh, you know, with her violin and, and some other instruments here and there. And it was just this really, really well, uh, uh, professionally well done video. And it just, I mean, I shared it like 20 times on Facebook. I think when it, when it first came out, this is about a year ago, it was so cool. Uh, and she did a really, really, really top notch job. Um, and then she just started coming out, you know, she, she had actually at the time, she already had her own stuff, her own music, uh, you know, original works that she had done and she started putting those out and, and, you know, there's just like this massive cross promotion going on and just her, her genuine like geekiness and, 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 and kind of quirkiness that she had, um, y- you know, just made, made it explode. Um, and she was on national television. She was like on America's got talent or something. Uh, but let's see, she, she's 26 now. She was, she was born in 1986 and just, I mean, so, you know, whole life ahead of her and she is 
it, it, the music's amazing. I mean, I, I, it's very hard to describe. Um, I know some people want me to like put the music into the actual show so that you can kind of hear it. I will link to some of what I consider the better songs in the show notes so that you can listen to them on YouTube. Um, one of the things with the, with the show is that actually most of the music that you hear during the music beds is all open source. It's all public domain. And I did that on purpose. Um, not, not even because I'm worried about, it. I mean, sovereign tech, you know, it is what it is. I don't expect the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the record association, you know, to come after me because I'm using a song of theirs or something. Um, but I, you know, I want to promote people that, that follow a similar ideology to me. Uh, and so, so I, I stick with stuff that's kind of open source and, and, you know, and kind of copyright, uh, like they'll follow like creative commons laws and things like that. So that's the reason I don't do that. I'm sure if I emailed Lindsay, she'd have no problem with me playing her music in, in the show. Uh, cause again, I mean, she recognizes that the internet, uh, and I mean, she stated as such that the internet has really given her her boost, you know, and obviously she loves her fans. Um, but her music's really, really good. Some of it has like a kind of a dubstepy feel or, uh, you know, but it's all violin and some of them have a little bit of words in it. She has, she does some singing, beautiful singer, uh, or sings beautifully. And, you know, the Zelda thing, like I said, was, was the kicker, but, but again, the music, there was a song in particular called crystallize that really kind of put her over the top to, to where it was, it was just that good. And this stuff is that good. And, and there's something about for me, I mean, I like all kinds of music, but for me, there's something about the strings, you know, and the violin is a string instrument that, and this is, this will sound cliche, but it literally does pull the heartstrings. Um, when I think back to like other violinist kind of music, um, I can think back to a soundtrack for like return of the Jedi, star Wars, return of the Jedi, where there's the Luke and Leia is the name of the track on, on the, on the soundtrack for return of the Jedi. And it's all string and oh, Wow. I mean, you, you just feel it. You, your whole, you get goosebumps and, and, and you literally feel it in, in, you know, inside and you feel it on your, in your heart for, for a lack of a better way to put it. And so, you know, with her playing the violin, I think it kind of does similar where it has an instantaneous epic feel, but then it instant, like instantly pulls you in, you know, just, just because, you know, it pulls your strings like as she plays the strings like i I know that sounds cliche but really that that's just how it feels and and it's so awesome um she did have a new an album come out uh in 2012 uh, a full album with uh you know i think 12 or 13 tracks really all quality quality stuff she still does game covers she recently did one for assassin's creed 3 uh she's done it for or she's done uh covers for for various shows like she did one for game of thrones um and they're all awesome. I mean, they're, they're all just like top notch work and her videos. I mean, this isn't stuff made with like, you know, the camera on the back of, of some cheap phone. Uh, this is really high end video work, uh, done by a guy, usually done by a guy named Devin Supertramp, who you can also find, um, on YouTube. Her YouTube channel is Lindsay Stomp. She also has another one called Lindsay time. I'll link to all those in the show notes. Uh, and you can find out more on the Tumblr page too. at sovereigntech.tumblr.com. And I mean, it's just, it's the highest end production levels ever. And that's a great thing about technology today and setting us free is that we, we can make this stuff. I mean, production levels can be as high as you want it for as little cost as you can imagine. Uh, 1080p cameras like that she does her videos in or the sound recording equipment that she, that she does this stuff. Like I remember when GarageBand first came out for Mac, 
I mean, there was like uh, suddenly overnight, there were all these artists who had great music that they just couldn't do before. But now because, because of software, various forms of software, often a lot of them free. Yes. You have to pay for the computer, but often a lot of them free astounding the things that are coming out and music that would have never seen the light of day or would have taken who knows how long to ever actually come out is now out there for all of us to enjoy and without regulations. The government has no involvement in the creation of anything. Lindsay Sterling does. Um, I mean, you know, we can get into the copyright matters of it and we often do on sovereign tech, uh, because it is such a problem, but you know, I mean, she's, she's not making a whole ton of money off of like doing game covers and all that stuff. And so she's like, yeah, you know, this is just great. My fans are going to love it. And if they enjoy this, maybe they'll buy my, uh, you know, my CD, my MP3s, whatever. And by and large they do. And it's great. So we've had an awesome episode of Sovereign Tech. We talked about a lot of free entertainment that you can enjoy. Uh, we talked about how the rest of the world may be more developed than first world countries. (gasps) Anyway, It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to Sovereign Tech. I'm Brian Sovereign. Talk to you next time. This has been Sovereign Tech. Visit us at SovereignTech.tumblr.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech. .tumblr.com There you can connect with us, see more of what you've heard on today's show, and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is open source. We encourage you to share. Later, nerds.